Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck ups? What the fuck, you pie Wall Streets? What the fucksicans? What the fuck, Ricans? It's Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for being here. Let me do this uh, out of the gate here so I don't forget. I will be at the Neptune Theater in Seattle. That's uh, November 25th, Boxing Day. No, that's not Boxing Day. It's Black Friday. It's a, Boxing Day is the day after Christmas. I don't know where I'm going to be then, but Black Friday at the Neptune Theater in Seattle. And if you're coming and you're listening and I'm getting you on time or in time, or at the right time here, bring cash if you want stuff, because I I don't have an iPhone, so I don't have one of those slidey things, all right? I'm, I'm trying to get up to speed with that. I, I have an iPhone in the mail. I couldn't be happier about it, but if you want a coupe poster, which are kind of pricey because they're hand-screened and signed and they're beautiful, they're like 50 bucks, but I'll have shirts, I'll have CDs, I'll have some buttons and stuff, you know, stuff. Christmas presents, whatnot, but bring some cash to Seattle if you're coming. Arlington Draft House, I screwed up. I said I was going to be there on the last show. I said I was going to be there November 2nd and 3rd. Obviously, uh, you would have to go back in time to see that show, uh, and I wasn't there. So it will be December 2nd and 3rd at the Arlington Draft House. I'll bring some shirts for that, too. Not going to bring the coupe posters. Coupe posters are going to be at Seattle. Uh, and then uh, on the site, if I have any left. Well, I'll save like 50. I'll bring 50 to Seattle. There's only 100 printed. All right, enough of that. Can I just say one thing, you guys? Can I please just uh, share this with you? I went out to a show. Now, you know my girlfriend, Jessica, is a uh, big podcast fan. I have to hear about a lot of my peers doing podcasts. I personally don't have a tremendous amount of time to listen to much of anything. I don't have time to do anything. I, I have this horrible ability or inability to compartmentalize. So work never really stops for me, and I sort of do it at my own pace, and it's not very organized. So in other words, I'm pretty much always working on something for this show, for my stand-up, for the book, whatever it is, I'm working. That includes tweeting, so don't get on me about that. But Jessica is a huge fan of Walking the Room. Walking the Room is a podcast that features uh, Dave Anthony and Greg Barrett, two guys I've known for probably, what, 15 years I've worked with both of them many years. You know, we started in San Francisco together. I know these guys. They're both funny guys, but they did their first live show last night, and Jessica took me. You know, she's a huge fan of that show, so I got to hear about Greg. I got to hear about Dave. You know, ad infinitum, on and on, and which is fine because because I love both of those guys. But they had their first live show uh, last night, and I'd never listened to the other podcast. I never listened to their podcast. Not because I have anything against them, just don't have the time. But I got to tell you, I've known these guys a long fucking time, and they have never been funnier than when they are together. I mean, the rapport between them as a radio program and as a live performance was hilarious. Uh, they had Jen Kirkman on, and they had uh, Brendan Walsh as the guest, and I just watched as an audience member, and like I said, it's it's thrilling to see guys you've known for so long be so fucking funny just because they're best friends and the rapport was hilarious. So I don't know if you listened to it, but uh, I'm giving a a, a very um, passionate endorsement for Walking the Room. I think you should go listen to that because, uh, you know, they both have their foibles, not unlike me. I'm sure you could find them annoying in their own unique ways, and I'm sure they'd admit to that. But together, something's going on there. 
and uh, I would recommend that. I'm sure you can get it on iTunes. It's uh, it's called Walking the Room. Dave Anthony, Greg Barrett. Check that out just because it's an, it's entertaining as fuck. Uh, they're both uh, mildly bitter in different forms. Uh, you know, Greg sort of embraces the bitter and pretend like, uh, pretends like it's positive. And of course, Dave, both of them have been on my show, by the way, uh, embraces the bitter wholeheartedly. But together, it's, uh, it's good stuff. And it's interesting because we went out last night. I don't know what your life has looked like. I go out now. I Again, I don't know how you have led your life or where you have been in your life, but I've lived in four or five different cities. I've had you know two ex-wives. I've had many friends, many communities, uh, many cliques, many places to live. I, I've been around. And it's just bizarre when you start to run into people from your other lives. Because you, I am losing my... I don't know if it's age or I'm taking the wrong vitamins... I, I had that moment this morning that, uh, you know, the holding the handful of vitamins, that that deep existential moment where you're like, oh, fuck this. What is What do these even do? What am I stupid? You think this is making a difference? Huh? I don't know. I'm in. Better take them. But you, you see people and it's gotten to the point. You know, I'm 48 years old. I've lived in Boston, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles twice. I can't place people i used to have a great memory for faces and now i can't place them well partially because a lot of those faces are now getting older so i have to adjust but then there's the sort of like what did we do how do i know you did we sleep together did i yell at you do you hate me is there something i should know about what happened between us 20 years ago what's going on but I'm not having a midlife crisis i'm not in a midlife panic i'm trying to ease into a midlife acknowledgement I have a hard, I have a hard time picturing myself of at my age. By the way, don't want to toot my own horn. Yes, I do, but not really. I mean, is this a humble brag? I don't know if it's a humble brag. Uh, but I was uh, <clears throat> I was uh, number six uh, on Salon's uh, sexiest uh, men for 2011. Number six, and I want I don't want to toot my own horn again, but I'm gonna. They had me down as being 42 years old, and I corrected them because that's that's how I roll. That's who I am. I wrote them. I said, do you still want me if I'm 48? Did I still make the cut? Am I still young enough to be sexy for your, uh, your highbrow uh, sexy pole? But getting back to this idea that, again, midlife acknowledgement, not midlife panic. I mean, I have been a lot of places. I have been with a lot of people. I've been in a lot of people. But this, these moments that you have when you run into somebody, a couple of things happen. All of a sudden, your brain, like I ran into some woman, I ran into two people last night, neither of whom I'd swept with, but both of them came from different, completely different periods of my life. And your brain just sort of wrestles with it. Like, you know, where, where are they? Where do they fit in? Where's that file? Do I have video on this? Uh, is there any way I can do a search? Do I have a first name? I don't know if I have a first name. Uh, can I search the image bank? And yeah, but that's a, those are outdated now. And you're just twisting this face or this tone or this vibe coming at you from this person that you know you should know. And then all of a sudden, it's sort of like they're like, hi, I'm, I'm so-and-so from the thing. And you're like, oh, my God. And then your brain just sort of contracts around that period in your life. And you travel back in time through their face. And you travel through their wrinkles on their face to when they were younger or when they were who you thought they were at that time. And you realize, oh, my God, I'm fucking old. And I've got to somehow play Scrabble 
do some Sudoku or something to keep this goddamn machine between my ears functioning properly. Wow. But uh, but it's worse when you don't remember people. But I've just been through a lot of different phases. And I, I guess I got to be proud of that and just acknowledge that, uh, you know, this is where I am in my life and, and look at it as a good thing. But, you, you know, sometimes you just see a person. You ever that mem- that moment where you, you see a person, and you're like, oh, no, that's a portal into a place I don't want to go. They're ju- what they are is walking portals to your past. And some of those, man, some of those can be some gnarly doorways. That's all I'm saying. On the show today, Mary Lynn Rice Cub. How exciting is that? Speaking of a portal into my past. She used to live with a girl years ago. She used to live with Sarah Silverman and this, uh, this other girl, Tracy, who I was crazy about. It's so bizarre. And I know you you guys know this from listening to this show, just how many people, it, it's it's interesting to me how many people I've come in contact with or or or, or spent time with or, or, or been around at different junctures. And wow, I really want to get Dave Chappelle on the show. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that'll happen. But uh, Mary Lynn, you know, we have a little we have a little bit of past, but there's just these different periods when everybody was younger and kids, and I'm just not that I'm not there anymore. I'm starting to realize I am the age I am. I'm definitely starting to realize that things are looking a little old. All right, let's uh, let's talk to Mary Lynn. You've been around a long time now. <laughs> You're no youngster. No, certainly I'm not. There, you know, there's still a lot of mystery around the Mary Lynn Rice Cub uh, situation, I think. Yeah. Like, who there's the hell? so much mystery. Who the hell is she? You'll never know. You'll never know. Have you been to your Wikipedia page? It, is that what you're doing right now? No, I'm just, I, yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm just Does uh, it say I'm very skilled at guitar and speak different languages? Do you? No, not at all. <laughs> Wait, let's of course see I the, don't. At the bottom. Uh, no, it doesn't say that. Oh, okay. Somebody took that out. Did you ask him to take it out? No. I've had that problem. Rice Cub dated music producer John Bryan for five years. Um, during time I missed the show, you also dated David Cross. I knew that. I knew both of those. Thanks her, for researching on me. Her son, I don't research. Her son, Valentine Anthony. All right, we're going to have to talk about that name. Um, she married her boyfriend, Matthew, uh, August 1st, 2009, in an impromptu wedding, which has a link. It does? Link yeah. to a picture? Did you click on it? No, I think it's just it's a link to impromptu. <laughs> like, in, in case you're unclear on what that word means. <laughs> Yeah, an impromptu wedding in Las Vegas, so let's click impromptu. Impromptu means just neither definition. of their parents were there. Yeah. And everyone was very upset. <laughs> but they already had a child out of wedlock. and Were they upset? Of course they were. Of course. And now that I have a kid, I mean, I can't imagine. I would wring my son's neck if he did that. Like, I get it, but, it, you know, did it you happens. have to? Did you apologize? Did you? Yeah, you know, I tried. How long were you with him, though, before you married him? Uh, I was with him for a little over a year. And then you got pregnant and you're like, let's do it? Or you already had the kid? No, we got pregnant three months after dating. Oh. How do you like that? That's fine. I Bam. mean, it happens. Was it imp- on purpose? It was impromptu. It was, <laughs> <laughs> was it, were you sur- I like that. Were you surprised? It was an impromptu pregnancy. Yeah. That's Aren't fantastic. That, I'm done. Are. Goodbye. That's yeah. all I needed from today. <laughs> Well, look, I honestly, 
I mean, shit, I've known you. I feel like I've known you forever because I kind of have. I remember when, well, you remember when I dated Tracy Katsky for 10 minutes? Of course I do. And you all lived in that Montessori school looking apartment where everybody was finger painting and, and cutting things up and playing guitar. I actually and- built a tent over my bed, which Sarah Silverman's mother bought me a love seat that pulled out into a little bed. And I built a tent over it at one point for privacy. How old were you guys? I don't even know why they put up with me. It was Tracy Katzie's place. And right. She had Sarah Silverman coming from New York and they were right. going to be roommates. They kind of knew each other and they took me in. I must have been 26. I mean, old enough to... Not build a tent in your room? Yeah. And <laughs> finger paint and stuff? I don't know yeah. what was happening there. I just remember that there was a lot of painting and things. It was like a crafts, on an ongoing crafts project. Yes, it was. And then uh, I, I can't... The first time I saw you do real stand-up, well, the first time that I found myself kind of... Have you of, ever seen me do real stand-up? I saw you do what you do. You're one of those people where it's sort of like, all right, well, this isn't going to be normal. So I like I knew that you were gifted and sort of a savant of sorts. I, I decided when I first saw you that I was dealing with, you know, maybe an autistic person. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you ever feel that way about yourself? Uh, I can't even look at you right now. I'm oh, look you out mad the at door. me? No. Um... Well, but that was sort of your thing, right? Kind of like, you know, mildly autistic. I can't autistic. play with this that yeah. someone else's fingers have been on. Can I have my own brand want, new paper clip to want, hold on to? You want something to bend and twist? I don't even know where that came from or what it was originally. I don't even think it was a paper clip. So, Mark Marin. Where do you come says from, I'm man? I'm a savant. Uh, what'd you say? Borderline autistic. Art- autistic. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were. Maybe you were just young. I think I had um, problems. Yeah. Communicating. And I needed to perform to right. expel something. You know, I came from performance art. Oh, that's from okay. From art school. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That explains a lot. Does it? Yeah, because it was so smart and so interesting. I'll never forget that fucking show you did in uh, in Aspen where you actually had a giant set list behind you. Do you remember? It was like either a poster or projection. I did some pretty sweet things. That was great. I thought that was. I, admit. I thought it was genius. Like that was the first time I really realized, like, holy shit, this is all by design. She's not like you know, <laughs> going home and talking to her fingers. I like. Well, it is, I mean, I don't have a straight line of thought. So right. I was trying to put pieces together, and I also knew that. You know, I was always frustrated to just, I'd sit down and try to write a joke and that would never happen. Right. So when I got the laughs, I didn't, wasn't sure sometimes why people were laughing or where it was coming from. And so the only way that I could figure that out was by trial and error. Right. And were you able able to repeat it? Like, yeah, eventually I would say, you know, a good 10 years into it, I was like, Oh, that's my persona. Like to be uncomfortable and I get laughs from that. Right. You know, it was a little bit. Right. I, I did more concept, a lot more conceptual stuff. Uh, but what I realized was that the the conceptual stuff kind of was to not really be me on right. stage. Do you remember the show I'm talking about? Do you remember doing a large, I, I feel like it was almost a, a, a large poster of what was seemed to be a handwritten set list that you- yeah when I was in art school I had um, one day built a podium out of cardboard and had a hanger that I used as a pointer uh-huh. and you know when people did performance art there was like the guy taping his genitals and putting lipstick on and you knew that guy he was my There's first always- boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> there was always one of those guys in art school. <laughs> 
So he was that guy? That- but there were a bunch of pieces like that. There was a guy who locked us out of the room and had a bread machine and then came in and gave us all bread and then told us that like chipped off paint was in the bread and that was his piece. There was a lot of stuff like that. And every time I went to do a piece, it would always be performer audience oriented. And But you- that's so limited. That's uh, that art school world, isn't it? But it's so fun, right? It, it was very uh, maddening because I came from Detroit where I was learning the fundamentals of uh, drawing and design, which was mind-blowing to me because I knew nothing. I was like, oh, like I didn't really know what a sculpture was. And so that was... Well, let's let's go back then. So where'd you grow up? Trenton, Michigan. Is that anything? What was that? Was that a Suburb automobile? Suburb of Detroit. Okay. Automobiles, yes. And your dad was Steel in the, factory the auto racket? My dad worked at the... Um, um, uh, um, steel car i just completely machine exactly power plant the electrical power plant (laughs) i think because i was like ready to talk about something else and then i went to the most basic thing and it was just completely gone gone. uh what kind of name is rice coven how do you spell it again czechoslovakian r-a-j-s-k-u-b i know i always fuck that up do you or you got the hang of it by now i'm I'm getting better i'm getting better (laughs) it's a czech name it's a czech name and you got like you grew up in like a catholic czech household yes okay yes my parents both abandoned their catholicism yeah that's that's probably a relief angry about it oh really at least my mom was angry about it that they didn't uh, practice it enough or angry about catholicism angry about catholicism generally yes and you got brothers and sisters two older sisters what about you got a little brother oh Two and a half years younger than me. We're a lot alike. How do you uh, do podcasts every day? How do I do them every day? Yeah. I don't do them every day. I put up two a week. But That's it's a, cool. it's a lot of work. It's it is my job in entertainment. This is this is my life in entertainment right now, Mary Lynn. This is what I've made for myself. I love it so much. Where were you today? Uh oh, I was telling you that I had that audition that didn't work out. You didn't go to the audition? Yeah, I told them I'm not coming. I told the network I'm not coming. No, they called it off. They're, really? Yeah, they're going with uh, someone Latina. Really? Yeah. Oh, so, so you can't even beat yourself up about that? There's nothing you can do to make yourself Latina? I did start to go into a bit of a depression, and then like that's getting old. Like Even beating myself up is getting kind of old. So About that kind of stuff? Yeah. It's hard to not, you know, my... My ego wants to say, what do you mean? How are they not going to hire me? I right. would do great at this. Right. And, you know, it right. was a, a draw up the contract type situation. And mm-hmm. then the network was like, mm. so, you oh, know, God, I do I feel just... like I've doesn't my work count for something or my experience. And at the end of the day, mm, not really. Maybe sometimes. I just got mad for you. I had similar sort of I had a similar conversation with my people today about something. And I've been, you know, through this shit for, you know, a long time. And you've obviously had more success with television than I ever had or may ever will have. But nonetheless, the rejection of it, even despite it's our life, it always it's very fucking personal. Yeah. Yeah. There's it's weird because you shouldn't take it personally, but you can't help but take it personal because yeah. when you're in that situation, you have to make yourself vulnerable every time when you go in for an audition. Mm-hmm. And you just you just have to do that over and over again. And you're uniquely you. So how could they like when they don't want you, even if it's just because <laughs> of a, an ethnicity switch up, you're still they've rejected everything you are and everything that has made you you. The writers were pretty cool. They rewrote the part to be like a Czech reference 
and there's like a thing where one character brings over like he's made it to ingratiate himself to the wife and they put like a they researched a real so that was really sweet and complimentary but then the network still said so what are they going to do now make it one of those um latino memorial candles what what are they going to rewrite it for her tamales huh let's be a little more racial racist bordering on all right so art school how did that happen in high school, uh, were you like complete nerd, social? I was doing acting in high school. Really? But then I didn't want to go to school for acting. And then one day I looked around and my good friends were going to like U of M. And I was like, oh, I forgot to like study apply. and apply <laughs> yeah. and know what being smart is. So I don't want to get a job and I don't want to be around actors. Like I'll go to art school. Yeah. And so I went for painting and it was amazing and wonderful. Did you do, uh, were you like serious about painting? Yeah, I still do it. Uh, I I started, uh, uh, that's what I was saying before, learning all the foundation stuff. And then I kind of got sort of agitated. Um, you know, like they'd have you draw a skeleton mm-hmm. and you'd learn how to do everything figure. perfectly. And I just went, ah, like yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah. sit there and do that. I was like, I get what I would have to do to get really good at this. Yeah. And I was like, good enough. Mm-hmm. And then... I just ended up going to San Francisco and finishing the school there. That's where I met everybody in San Francisco. It was very different than Detroit. They were like, I'm the best, like really full of themselves yeah. as artists, yeah, which, yeah. which seemed to be a, a prerequisite for getting to the next place in your career, Yeah, which I never really understood that. But it's not uh, dissimilar to a comedian you're or saying an actor. It's, it's all about uh you know confidence and attitude confidence and We're, attitude and selling little, yourself right the talent uh, you know amount of talent is negotiable yes you're not going to be just rewarded for talent actually if you're really talented but a social retard uh, you probably will get not noticed until you're dead yes right you can be really talented and just do it at your house but with like painting do you love painting i do love painting a lot but I find that painting has the same frustrations as any type of writing or performing in terms of approaching it for me. Yeah. Like I wish I could just go, oh, I'm going to relax and paint. But I just see it as another set of creative problems so that when I go to do it, I have to really get into it and, you know, have a whole Like have everything in place, it. like you're, you got your paints. Well, yeah, but also just mentally, right. uh, even if it might look like a mess to somebody else, I've like entered into it as like an equation right. that I right. want to solve you're somehow. Not, you're not dabbling. This is life or death. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. No, no, I know exactly what you're saying is that it, that it's important to you. It's not a relaxing behavior. Like I know yes. people that they, they, they get into their 60s or 70s and they're painting the beach. And they're okay with their kind of crappy representation of the beach because they're like, I spend nine hours and I feel better. I relax. <laughs> and you're not that person. No, I'm not that person. And what kind of do you? What kind of paintings do you do? Abstract. Uh, they have a lot of words, a lot of childish marks on them. Uh, I was a fan of watercolor. I, I do. Li- I like things that are light, but I, yeah. I tend to make, sort of make a mess and mm-hmm. then try to rescue it and have it have some sort of emotive. Uh, quality or is that something is that like a baseline for everything in your life yeah it's almost yeah yeah, it kind of is like the painting is i'm saying here's a problem and i'm trying to come out of it in a happy way and i want to show that or it's like an emptying of the mind yeah yeah it's similar to making the list of like here's what's going on in there yeah yeah. can you figure it out have a laugh about it yeah 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 checklist hello (laughs) how (laughs) to the audience how's everyone doing tonight (laughs) 
that was like <laughs> yeah 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 one of my first sets for a while was just what what are you guys looking at yeah <laughs> what do you want what do you want i mean for like two years it was <laughs> pretty much that i just couldn't get past that basic let alone say what i think or feel about something <laughs> when you like but oh like because i try to think about do you like go do you look at paintings do you go like i mean is it a thing that you i don't enjoy go very doing? often but when i do i remind myself how much i like it yeah but because I, like sometimes when people because i don't know a, a shitload about art but i you know i grew up my mom painted and i grew up you know being brought to museums and looking at paintings and i do have painters that i really like but then a lot of times like i've been trying to figure out when you look at painters that you might not know or people who are on the same level as you, how do you know when something's good or not? It's only it's only because, how, how do you know when something's good? How do you judge it, a painting? Just because, for me, it's like, if it if, even if I don't like it, if it feels like it's finished, you know, like I can look at it and like, well, this is the, exactly what the artist wanted to do. It's a good painting. I'm not just my a thing. sucker for anything that's emotive. Uh, I get angry sometimes when people like stuff that's photographic because that seems easy even yeah. though it's not at all to paint like that like right it's, it's from a person that's like probably the opposite of a motive just a complete control freak yeah and i also hour. don't like really minimal stuff because there you can't see the like struggle or the personality you yeah know? but I, uh, by the same token i really like impressionism yeah. or like some watercolors i just like the interplay that you see the human hand on it do you like basquiat of course that's the Nada. duh he's the guy I love right him. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he really is all that yeah. when you see it in person. I know, I know. You, it really is uh, pretty mind blowing. Yeah. It's got both the prophetic, uh, informational uh -huh. savantness, uh -huh. but it also feels like a kid. It right. makes you feel like, wow, I want to pick up something and yeah. paint, which is right. a great thing to impart to people. And, and there's what that a balance. Wonderful thing. Yeah. There's that balance to the canvases. Like you know, like even though there's all this chaos, everything just sits perfectly. Like you look and at the, it, and you're yeah, like, and you're like, that's so wrong, but yeah, so right. Perfect. That's like one of my favorite things. So yeah. wrong, but so right. Yeah. So when you when you were in art school, I, I want to know more about the performance art element. Like, what were some of the shows you did in art school? Uh, I remember building some cardboard houses and building a sill and putting like shards from the metal uh, shop in there. And then I would put the snacks are in the sill. The <laughs> snacks are in the sills, everybody. That That is that sort of like mildly autistic. <laughs> Here's the snacks arrows. But then you're supposed to like go get the snack and be like, ah, I cut my hand. Uh, That'll teach you. This is art. <laughs> art bleeds. And there was one where I dipped trash into gray paint and wrapped it up as if I was at a fish market and like uh handed out yeah. I don't know. Did you actually do the fish barking? Like yeah, get your, get your so. trash. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it all had handmade signs and stuff. And there was one that like I was I can't. I did your did your boyfriend to... really tape his genitals and put on red lipstick? No, that wasn't my boyfriend. Is this some guy? Although uh I did date a guy who um, pierced his penis mm. while we were dating and then wanted me to hang things off of his penis. How'd that go? Um, Did you do it? I can't talk about it. I have a son now. Yeah, yeah I did. I did it. Of course you did it. Of course. Yeah. What, like what kind of things? Heavy things? or Just like scissors. Christmas ornaments? Like a paper clip Christmas ornaments. No, he did <laughs> A carrot. Oh, no. Still talk to that guy? No. <laughs> God, I've had so many, like, thank God. 
That's uh, over with, thank boyfriends. Thank God that's over with. He was the guy that ended up being on speed, but I didn't know it, mm. and I didn't know what speed was. Right. And I'd be like, why doesn't he want to be touched? <laughs> it must be me. <laughs> why is he sweating so much? How come he never sleeps? Oh, boy. So when did you, uh, when was the first big, um, like, break in terms of, like, because, like, I really feel like I've known you forever, but I don't think we ever really had conversations because I was always a little intimidated because I didn't know, because you were so, like, darty. Am I darty now? No, you've grown up and you're very focused and you seem to have your, you know, your life together. You, oh, thanks, Mark. Yeah. yeah thanks a lot. <laughs> you, look like a, you look like a grown up person. No, it's very good, Oh, though. you're being kind because yes. really you would darty is because i'm sitting here and you're being respectful for me you didn't where you weren't you thought i was a fool no not at all i thought you were a genius yes. and i didn't i didn't know how yes. to yeah you can you fooled me you pulled you, <laughs> no i was like oh my god she's like some sort of like uh gifted person she's she's hearing voices you know because and you are but i didn't know how to talk to you that's all yeah mm. i still don't know how to talk to you seriously no, I don't know. I mean, are, are, do you, it doesn't matter. Do you have different types of conversations with other people? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I want to get there. Let's get there. I know. I know you do, and I knew you. I know you would. And that's mm. what you do. Mm. But um, might not happen though. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. So, what was the first big uh, comedy break? Because I know you're one of those people that everybody's like, "Oh, what are we going to do with her? What did they figure out?" Everyone's still saying, what are we going to do with her? <laughs> She's so great. I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> what are we, we going to do with her? Uh, we did the Mr. Show. Yeah, I did. Uh, was that, that the was first my, thing? Uh, that was my first big break, for sure. Mm -hmm. I was um, similar to the set I just described to you in one of the live Mr. Show uh, when the executives were in the audience and they were showing them a live show. I had a bit where I came out and taped my genitals and told people these are not for you and people <laughs> laughed and it i knew i was being funny but again it was just like this expulsion of like feeling uh -huh. that was almost so uncomfortable yeah and so wrong yeah so wrong that it became right right and you I pushed through i pushed through you, you transcended good and, and right and wrong and those guys you know they gave me parts yeah, and I finally somehow figured out that it was acting. But I mean, I remember early on getting an audition for a Meredith Baxter Bernie pilot for the nervous uh, secretary. But I really was that nervous right. in the audition. Yeah, and then they said, "You're great. You're going to producers." And I went to the next floor and I went in, and I just looked up and I saw the mom from Family Ties, and I just completely fell apart. And then I saw her go on her face, like you feel terror? bad for me. Oh. No, she felt bad for me. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I left and I felt bad. And my and manager drove me. You know, I didn't have a car. Yeah. So, <laughs> could, could you drive? Yeah, of course. I'm oh, from okay. Detroit. Yeah, you have to drive. So you, so the nervousness was real, but it was also an act. But then it got to the next level and uh, you choked at that one. Yes. And you dated David Cross during the Mr. Show? I did. I remember that. He was very in love with you. Yes, I was in love with him. You guys get along all right? We do. Yeah. Things are better now. Yeah. It took a few years. <laughs> <laughs> getting fired from Mr. Show. Did you meet him on Mr. Show or before? No, we met in LA doing live Things, performance right. stuff where right. I met everybody. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. It was a really, really awesome time. That was that whole crew. Yeah, Dana Gould and, and Sarah and everybody, right? 
Who was yeah, it? Yeah, it was Kathy Griffin yeah. and um, Karen Kilgariff and yeah. Bob Odenkirk and Tenacious D. It's wild. Does it feel like a long time ago? Well, I'm just having a weird thing where, where, and I've heard, I've been kind of cramming listening to your podcast. Well, I don't know why. Well, because they're enjoyable. Oh, good. Not because you were worried about being on it. No, I would never. Did you listen to people you know? And were you were you being nostalgic? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it took me a long time to not be nostalgic. And I think having a kid and getting married certainly took me farther away from that. But even before that, it took me years to separate myself from that. From that time? Yes. Isn't it, I don't know I don't really know how to deal with it. You don't know how to deal with it personally, like you know, because I don't like because I'm getting older and like you know I'm I'm starting to actually feel older, and I know that like I wasn't really part of that whole group. I was sort of on the outside of it because I was still out there doing stand up and I didn't know how to you know have friends and and I was a big cocky asshole and I'd come in every once in a while and be like blah blah and then I'd leave. But uh, I've. I'm just sitting here nodding. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. And but I have regrets about that because you know Dave and I were close, and I and I knew everybody, and but I never felt really that close to to everybody, and I was sort of out doing my own thing. But I I miss, I guess, I feel sometimes that I wish I was more capable of uh, you know being just a fun guy, hanging out. Yeah, I remember you with Tracy Katsky. You I were so, dark and intense. Yeah. And neurotic. Yeah. I was so into her. It was she such, was really into you. It was so difficult that time. Oh, God. I flew her to Michigan once. Did you really? Yeah, because I was sort of like, I don't think I was married, but I definitely had another girlfriend. Oh, and yeah, I, and I remember I, that, too. And I completely fell for her. And, uh, you know, I was on the road. And it wasn't easy to do that stuff. Like, I flew her for one night to Michigan because I just had to see her. It was very passionate and very obsessed. I remember yeah. that about you and like loving that about you and also hating that about you. Like there's a part of me that's like so in awe and intimidated. And then there's another part of me that's like, come on, yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> like there's a, the core of me is very pragmatic right. and yeah. very simple and very Midwestern in that sense of yeah. like, you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's another part of me that just wanted, that's that like... Savant thing, for lack of a better word, although yeah. I don't think that's the case at all. But I just needed to experience life, so yeah, I would yeah. throw myself in all these and exercise my own neurosis because I didn't know how. You right, know? right, right. Otherwise, I would have just been completely never left. Well, do you look at your relationships with people like you know, even like spending that time across and then you know dating John Bryan? I mean, these guys are in their fields. You know, fairly significant. Did you like, go, you know, find yourself taking shit in? I mean, you've gone out with a couple of fairly tormented, uh, brilliant people, and yeah. you yourself are a bit tormented and brilliant. I mean, how did that like? Did that work? Well, I think I lived in it for a long time, and with David, he was always really generous and treated me as an equal. Uh, although I would put him on a pedestal and I did the same thing with John Bryan like yeah. way had him on a pedestal and was just like doesn't everybody wanted to be <laughs> validated by him and yeah. like oh wow this guy loves me like this is so amazing and then one day I it just became very pragmatic and I was like what who's gonna clean the house you know like <laughs> what are we doing and I would be carrying like mulch by myself like trying to do the lawn and there was this other part of me that just wanted to Settle down and yeah. knock it off. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely understand that. And I, I don't think that people, I think that struggle in people 
is something that they they just have to work through it. So it's not some sort of conspiracy <laughs> in the sense that like I was with somebody for a long time who thought they wanted one thing or presented themselves that way. And then all of a sudden you hit that wall where you're like, this is not going to be, is this the way it's going to be forever? I can't do this forever. Do what? You know, you know, be sort of um, living in the shadow of somebody else or trying to chase something down or be something that you're not. Uh, I see what you're saying. Because you get to that moment where you realize that. And Life is say, short. And, you know, I'd like to have some, you know, some things that I want and some stability and be pragmatic, right? So do you have that now? No. I don't. I wasn't talking about me. <laughs> That's why I was like, what exactly are you talking, you know, talking about? about? You're just giving an example. Of I'm, 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 I'm putting my uh, past relationship in perspective and accepting what went wrong with it by, uh, by you know, and analyzing the other person. That's what I'm doing. In a, yeah, really um, yeah. diplomatic way. That's you. <sighs> diplomatic yeah. and fun. Easy breezy. Well, was, there, was, was there a point where you're like, I can't, I want to have a kid? No, I never really thought about having a kid. There was one time where I called my mom and started crying out of nowhere. I was on the freeway and I called her. I was on the 110 freeway. And I said, I'm too old to be a young mother. But I didn't even necessarily want to be a mother. I was yeah. just having that passage of time thing. I'm yeah. like, oh, can... I'm not having a baby in my 20s. Right. And I think... With my now husband on some level, not that I tried to do it on purpose, but clearly we were both not protecting ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I think on some level I was okay with that. Right. Not that I went out to do that. Right. Uh, and um, it was terrible when the baby was born. It's really, really hard. And I wasn't one of those people who had a life by any means that was... Although I did live in the valley and I had a nice house. So yeah. I was ready. I, right. I was to a point in my life where I was more established and not building a tent around my bed. Or, right. Or painting compulsively. Or painting compulsively. Right. <laughs> or, or, or dating tormented geniuses. Yes. So what, do you, what was terrible about it? The, the actual, like, having it or just knowing you were going to have it? or It was when the baby was born and you, your whole life as you know it is just completely shook shaken up and turned upside down and like pushed all over the place just everything that you want to do everything yeah. that you're doing you can't do any of it i mean even just simply waking up every three hours and being enraged about that and you can't because there's this helpless creature so it pushes your buttons on every level of having to deal with being responsible for something and everything else that you thought had meaning is just stupid yeah not not ha has meaning but that you're worried about you know yeah. oh this job or this it's like this is a creature yeah. like everything else is like <laughs> who cares yeah, yeah. who cares so that was, all these things i was worried about don't matter when you your job is to keep something alive and yeah. to take care of it yeah and it come pretty natural or um I mean, like, did they, did you think this stuff through, or is it just like you were surprised at your own instincts around it? No, it didn't come natural. I'm trying to tell you it was hard, <laughs> and I didn't like it, and I didn't like the kid, and I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> and the baby was terrible, and he wouldn't stop crying, yeah. and I lost all sense of myself and sense of time, mm. 
Uh, but yeah, then the instincts kicked in, <laughs> and now I love it. How old is he? Three. It's oh, awesome. <laughs> I love it so much. You do now. Yeah, he's the greatest guy ever. <laughs> but the, what, the for, greatest guy ever for the first year, not so much. For the first six months or so, it's it's quite uh, an adjustment. Of hugest, <laughs> massivest, suckiest. And how was your How was your man in it? Was he good? That guy is solid as a damn rock. Yeah, you found a solid one. What does he do? <laughs> he is a uh, trainer, which he started to do after we got pregnant because he wasn't really uh, sure what he wanted to do. And then he almost became a fireman. And then he almost became a paramedic and went to all these classes. And then he got certified as a trainer and now owns a small fitness studio. Holy shit. So you married a civilian. Yes. And but was, I met him at the improv. Right, but it was it was probably the, a great decision. Can you believe? Yeah, I can definitely believe. And then when I went to where he's from, it kind of looks like where I'm from. Right. I was like, where is that? Oh, Why am I saying he's right? He's from okay. uh, Indiana, Midwest. And, uh, and so this crazy guy that I was like, oh, he's hot. I'm just gonna have sex with him. Yeah. It turned out to be like the best guy ever because I was kind of rebounding from someone else, and I was like, I don't even care about this. Uh, but he ended up being really fun, really sweet, and we have similar backgrounds. That's amazing. So you kind of landed good. I I land. I did all right. <laughs> I did all right. That's a great story. So it's it's because I I actually like hearing stories where there's, especially when I talk to my peers who are who are we're all a little nuts. We're comics, and you know people who you know, marry into the business. Like to me, I I just can't see anything but you know complete insecure ego driven chaos, bouncing back and forth constantly and to know that you're with a dude that wanted to be a fireman seriously makes me happy hey thanks and <laughs> thanks for calling me a comic i wasn't sure really if, yeah because you're like the real deal as no, far as a comic. what does that even mean i mean you know i've been doing it a long time <laughs> I mean, you know it's uh pretty much what i do but you're definitely a comic uh, yeah i don't know how Oh, yeah. I am. But that's what you wanted to be. That's what you started doing. You chose that stage to make your mark on the world, and it carried you to where you are. I mean, you've done some roles recently that aren't necessarily comic roles, but uh, you know, you've evolved into that. I mean, Larry Sanders, that's, that was, that's one of the most important television comedies ever made. It's pretty cool. Yeah. How did, how did that all happen? Because you followed... What, how, what was the... Janine... Do you were right you know, after remember, Janine? Do you remember comedy product? Yes, I did comedy I did, product. I did a set on there where I, Jeremy Kramer gave me this advice because I had all these bits of things. Well, that was the thing where we did stand up and a bit, like there was stand up and then we did a sketch or something. Who made? Comedy there were pro no sketches. It mm. was all alternative. Oh, that's sets. right. And they, it was like black oh, and white. Like the background right. was black and white graphics. I remember that was the first attempt at capturing alternative comedy on yeah, television. Yeah, Janine would host. Yes, and it was shot at like this studio, right? And they yeah. built that. Was Lang Gang involved in that? Yeah, I think so. Who was it? Was it for uh, Comedy Central? Yes. Okay, I remember. They built like a club environment uh -huh. and that just sort of floated <laughs> in the middle of the studio, right? And yeah. It was like everyone. Did they let to... people drink? I think they did. Like I think red they... wine and beer. Well, or I think something? they actually had like a fake bar there or something but it was that are we gonna be okay yeah it happens around here um but i remember because you walk in and, and the place was too big yeah. to sort of really house this sort of club <laughs> environment so it's like this weird kind of isolated club environment in the middle of a hangar they made it all cramped on purpose right why right, can't right. i just stand over there and be comfortable i remember and there was a lot of people standing around the back yeah because we didn't want to sit in there because that was for the shot yeah 
So that's where you met Janine? Yeah, I knew her before that. Right. I remember she told me I was funny one time when I was doing one of these sets. And a lot of times I feel really angry at, at Jerry Seinfeld for his like number system and saying like you got to have an opener and all this stuff because I never, not that there's any even loose comparison, but I never know what I'm going to say, like yeah. what the first thing I'm going to say when I go out there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she told me I was funny one night and I that was like really wonderful mm-hmm and then when she so who had that job on on uh on larry sanders as his assistant it was you right it and was her Janine, and then and then she left the show right and i took over right and they watched john Regie and gary shandling watched my tape that dave rath gave them of my comedy product uh-huh. which that's what i was starting to tell you was like a bunch of these like nonsensical sort of punchlines strung together right. and sort of weirdly defensive conceptual things and there was some art school jargon in there and Jeremy Kramer said just tell the audience you took ecstasy at the beginning and that was my first like oh you have to put a frame around it uh-huh. and let people know what you're doing because if I don't give them a little hand into it they're just worried for me and yeah. they don't know what I'm doing and they don't know what's going on but in my mind I'm like this is awesome but then there I, I never understood that yeah like interface for the longest time yeah <laughs> <laughs> that you needed to br- bring them into it somehow or just like talk to them that was like completely foreign to me <laughs> <laughs> and that's it and that's the set that got you that show yes now, when you took that, that was a huge break, really. Huge, I mean, I yeah. Mean, Mr. Show is exciting, but that must have been pretty wild. How? What was your relationship with Shanley? Uh, the first interview I had with him was him sitting across from me. John Reed was in the room, mm-hmm. and he's like, "We just made faces at each other. It was the best audition situation ever." And then they would look at each other and kind of like giggle, and then he'd go, "Well, so what are you doing?" And I'm like, "I don't know. What are you doing?" Pretty much my set yeah. recreated. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And we just went back and forth like that for about five minutes. And then they looked at each other and then they called and said that <laughs> they wanted me for the part. <laughs> the best ever, right? Yeah. And but- then one time he gave me a really uh, big acting lesson. He pulled me aside. I was in a scene and he goes, what are you thinking when you're saying that? And I'm like, I don't know. And he was like telling me subtext that you have to have something else going on. And that was like a huge brick falling on me in in a good way did you had you not taken any acting classes i did like in high school only yeah and so i had a weird basic i knew what blocking meant and (laughs) (laughs) things like that. that's where you move to your your mark right (laughs) that's where you move to your mark (laughs) you had that under control but i just i mean i knew how to say things in a natural way right but i didn't really have an interior world i think part of me i was just so scared that i just showed up and like tried tried to deliver but i think i I think that's what comics do i think that the comics that can act are people that can get in the present it's really just about being present and and doing it yeah and yeah. I was definitely present, right. and I definitely had a persona, but that was what I'm describing with my stand-up. I, right. didn't, I didn't know what it was, and I didn't know that, again, I could give the frame around it, or, oh, you can make choices of how you're feeling and say something different. So when he gave you that note, did you find that you were fairly quickly able to do that? Oh, yeah. Huh. For sure. That's sort of a gift. I mean, because even if it's stuff like like if I wanted to like say to you, like, um, hey, how's it going? And But the subtext was sad. Like if you told me like, well, you know, you're really hiding a lot of sadness. So that I, say it. How's it going? And you're and you're sad. I'm going to try. See, I don't know if I can do it. 
<laughs> it's already great. You just swallowed and looked down. I can tell it's going to be way too mopey before you even open your mouth. No, wait. That's not, you're not a good teacher. Hold on. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it's not too far away from what I am anyways. So. Like my subtext is always like, um, okay, so whatever you're going to be saying, you're going to be thinking about yourself. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Have you ever taken an acting class? Oh yes, I have. I took an acting class. I took some in college, and I took some, you know, when I lived in San Francisco. And you know, I was always a guy that they, you know, I do scenes, and eventually the direction would become, you know, like you should just let it out. You know, just like one time a guy in an acting class had two other people in the class hold me back um, and made me try to get across the room doing a monologue. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. What, why, what do you think that was speaking to? That you had stuff you needed to let out? Yeah, you know, and then there was a crying. People want me to, Did you, know. you do that in class? Did you cry and punch a wall and... No, I was never that guy. I was never like the, like, you know, I'm I'm just an angry guy. There's always that guy in acting class. I really wanted to try to connect to um, the the sadness and the ability to be vulnerable, you know, in front of people. Oh, so that's where your thing comes from, and your stumbling block is your anger. Right. Well, it masks everything. Wealth of anger. Right. Right. So, but you don't really want to show that. Well, no, I can show that. That's not a problem. What, what, What is underneath anger is generally fear and sadness. So, why not sort of open those up? I think I've just started to do that in uh, in my stand-up. But I was want, I think the connection I was trying to make is like you're on stage and you're having a burst of anger. Yeah. But you're in your real life, you're like, I don't want to be like an angry yeah, right, guy. Right. But that's what right. is like kind right. of yep. some awesomeness in me and and awfulness. Yeah. 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 I, but how did you make the like? So right after he told you that, the the whole thing just popped open for you. You're like, oh, I just connect. You know, f- look at the script. This is calls for this, and then I can attach that feeling to yeah. it. Yeah, that's fucking. That's a gift. So, did you have fun with uh, Gary after that? That uh, making faces for an audition is hilarious. He's such an odd, funny guy. Yeah, I love talking to him. I he, love him, but he's somebody that I would. I, I've had like lunch with him and stuff. but yeah. I'm still nervous to talk to him. Well, you, you get into a different time zone with him. You yeah, because you've kind of got your own time zone too. So I, I think that like that might be kind of interesting to see. Because he's sort of like, you know, you're definitely like kind of looking for footing with Gary sometimes. I think my perception of you is that you like take over Mm. and you expound on stuff. And Mm. that's when I was listening to your podcast. Like I really love when you got into it with uh, Norm MacDonald. Like that took a turn. Yeah, it was was interesting. Awesome. I was like, oh yeah, they're talking about Rodney Dangerfield. I'm doing something else. And then when it like... Someone got real there. I, you know, it was like that was a pretty wild thing. Like, because I knew when it was happening. I, because I had no idea what, um, you, 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 like with all of us. I mean, if I don't know people, like I know him, I've met him, we, we've run into each other, but I don't really know him. But you've, you've got an idea of who people are in, in your head. And all of a sudden, when you're talking to them and it's, it's not your idea at all, and, and you're, you realize, oh, I don't know them at all. And this is really becoming something, you know, like what's going on. Uh, it was it was mind blowing. And you made him go back to that moment, like the gambling thing. Yeah, you were like some kind of a weird guru, because <laughs> you're like, okay, but no, what happened? And yeah. he and he went he went there. And he yeah, was step so, by and step. It was like really fascinating, and yeah. it, and it made a lot of sense, and you could feel it and like sense it mm-hmm. and understand it. That was cool. I have a per- I have a perception that you guys are like bros, and you 
the you, first... get, you get each other on a certain level and like that you're used to talking and you know what you sound like and you know what your thoughts are and then I get nervous because I don't know what my th- thing is. What do you mean? You're very clear about your thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then never mind. Now, okay, so there's this... Because I, I don't want to like do a disservice to you because you have a lot of huge fucking um, you know, very committed fans that I think you built uh, over the long arc of your 24. Yeah, like my fans, if an, if anyone's listening to this and they're a fan of mine, they're going to be like, I fucking hate her now. No, they're not. She's just like talking all this BS. Why doesn't she talk about the 24 movie? <laughs> is that is that happening? Uh, I don't know. I keep hearing that the script is done, but I, I don't hear anything in any official capacity but i i've got to be honest with you i don't i didn't watch it yeah and but i know oh people you love know it. what i would listen to your brian cranston yeah as well yeah and that is my favorite show ever and if i see any of those characters in real life even listening to it yeah. and hearing his voice i was like oh my god that's like totally him and yeah. that's how people feel about 24 and that right. was the first time where i go oh i mean i knew it and i was like very respectful and i love all the fans because usually they just but they see love you the as show, chloe and it's awesome but now I understand exactly what that feeling is because they, you know, and that's it. Um, it's kind of scary because I did. I actually did a radio tour this morning, and you never know what you're going to get. It's always a surprise that people are like, "I know you from Larry Sanders," and they right. talk to me like a person, and then other people are just still like, "So I'm 24," you know, Chloe, yeah. Chloe and all this stuff, which is great. It's just odd. Yeah, well, I mean, but I you understand that relationship from the other side, though. Yeah, I, I just mean, now got it because people thing? just were so connected to that show, and Twenty Four had that same quality. But you know, obviously on a broader world political scale, but that same uh, um, anxiousness and cliffhanger, and you couldn't wait to watch the next one. And they I, and they completely built a relationship with you as a character. Yeah, and the cool part about that is that there's so much plot in that show and there are so many different characters that I didn't even really have that much screen time. So right. it's just like the power of a visual or like a little gesture can like tell so much or I would have small scenes and people would just be like, oh my God, when you said that to this guy and it kind of functioned in a cool way because there was so much going on and all this information that you had to process and then it would go to my scene where I'm like reacting to somebody in like a curmudgeonly way right and, uh, but everything had built it was like up a, to that it was like a, yeah it was like a relief right point. right you were the uh you were the one that relieved the entire narrative trajectory but like, sometimes boom. yeah so do you have fans that come up to you and, and frighten you yeah i mean yes N- not so much anymore M- mostly it's just people excited and loving the show and uh-huh. they want to talk about how much they love the show uh-huh. um i i kind of berated this i feel bad these guys were talking to me this morning and i, I was talking about 24 even though it's like the show's been off the air what for was the junket for uh because i'm doing a web series called dicky right now uh-huh. about a 40 year old woman who hasn't left home and her parents want a boy so they name her richard so her name's dicky and she doesn't have a boyfriend doesn't have a driver's license and goes on facebook and shows her asshole. oh yeah her asshole to try to um get a boyfriend just her asshole well, she's like posing sexy because oh, okay. she sees other girls posing sexy yeah. and she's like, oh, I got it. I'm going to out sexy all y'all. And yeah. then like kind of comes up. She doesn't really know how to act interface with yeah. the world. <laughs> it's a character near and dear to my heart. But so I was doing that and people want to talk about 24, which I don't mind. But then at one point the guy, he's like, so Kiefer, man, does he like show up wasted on the set or whatever? And I was just like, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And, and he was, I was like, I don't know. 
Like, it's not really any of my business to talk about his sobriety or uh-huh. not. And yeah. I just was like, I can't believe you're asking me about this. Well, they, all they're trying to do is is they 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 court controversy. Like the best but thing. It's that so can, like no, no, boring, it's just, it and is. it's also like, it's why all. are you asking me that now? And Kiefer is especially Kiefer. He's very upfront with the stuff that he does. So it's like, this is interesting to you right now, really? Yeah. Did you get along with him though? Um. In general, like the cast, I mean, like how much? Because, like, I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, that there's an illusion to what we do, you know. And there, you know, I mean, to be working with an ensemble of people for the most part, not not as tight an ensemble as some shows, but for as long as you did, you do have relationships with people. And but there's also like you know just the working element. Like a lot of times, like casts are just sort of like, all right, see you later, good day at work. Kiefer and I like each other. I would go so far to say as we love each other mm-hmm. in that respect. But at the same time, I really care about him. But we, our relationship never changed and it never went past a certain point. And I think I was always a little bit uh, intimidated by him, which he would, he would probably say, oh, why, why would you be mm-hmm. that? Um, but we never fully hung out or fully had a conversation right the entire time right and a lot of the other people that were on the crew and cast it was like a family and you watched you know over that course of doing this intense show over that many years you watch you know marriages and deaths and births and um you do get to know everybody Mm -hmm. uh but yeah but it was still a little distant yeah yeah, it's it's odd because i did i did radio show with a guy for a year and a half we we never off the air Hardly talked at all. Did you get personal on the air, or was it not about, really about other stuff? It was about other Politics. stuff, but you know, we were you know we were like four hours on the air every day with each other, and, and a couple hours of prep before. But like when when we were done, we were done. And I mean, there's something to be said for that. I don't know, you know, how much baggage you want to bring, you know, yeah. bring to a, a situation, or how much tension you want to bring to a situation. But I think some people forget, like on some level, no matter how great the show is or how glamorous they think our lives are, your life is, it's a job. Yeah, a lot of people, you know, on the set are you're they're spending more hours out of their day with you than mm-hmm. they are their own families. Mm-hmm. There were a certain amount of. Um, were you sad when it was over? Yeah, it was really sad. Yeah, really sad. What was that business with you and Rush Limbaugh? <laughs> uh, we got flown to Washington D.C. to do a panel on terrorism. Yeah, at a Republican think tank. Yeah. And I've started writing about this. I did a comedy set t- about this a lot just because it's such a great, odd, weird thing that happened. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's just like, you know, I went into it like, oh, yeah, of course, I'll go to Washington, D.C. I have no business being there, no interest in any of it. Don't don't know what's Why going on. Why did they ask you? Just because you were on a show about terrorism? People are huge fans of that show. And, you know, the, the showrunners of 24 were, were very politically savvy. One of them's uh, really... Um, more left and one of them is hardcore republican and they work together yeah uh-huh. yeah it's awesome it's uh pretty powerful and uh so you know he the one guy's a fan of rush limbaugh but there we had a lot of fans in washington so i think they structured it like there was going to be this panel think tank but really everyone just wanted to show up and see you guys yeah you and rush and whoever uh, else so who this, else was on the panel uh, um couple of actors from the show uh-huh. um carlos bernard and greg itzen and uh a couple of the producers yeah and some republican thinkers uh-huh um 
and Rush Limbaugh was moderating, and it was called 24, and America's Image in Fighting Terrorism. Fact, fiction, or does it matter? <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Why would I have anything to say about this? Uh, but Rush Limbaugh was introducing everybody, and he was behind me, and he's being very effusive, and he loves the show, and he loved my character, and like, really nice guy, you know? Did you ever see that movie, The King of Scotland? The Idi Amin movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Why? I, I'm not making a comparison <laughs> to Idi Amin <laughs> at all. That's not what I meant. Yeah. But I do. I did feel a little bit like, hey, I'm just here to have fun. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea like what, you know, and he everybody- really represents. And everybody who knows me is just like, how could you do that? Yeah. And, you know, there is something attached to me of certain political beliefs, but- um, what do you mean? People, I mean, I guess I am uh, more liberal and leftist. Yeah, of and course. Peace loving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. So they. Oh, so your friends were mad at you, but did Rush know that? I mean, what what ultimately happened was it because there was I gossip mean, he, around it, correct? Yeah. He came, oh he was like introduced me, came up behind me, and he kissed me on the lips. And uh-huh. there's a bank of photographers that took pictures, and yeah. so I was like, again, this like innocent like. Oh, whatever. He's just, it's like a cocktail party. And, yeah, you know, you guy. think someone's going to kiss you on the cheek and they kiss you on the lips. But, you like, he's more the... savvy than me. He's got to know that there's photographers there. Is it, you, don't, you didn't realize it was a uh, a cultural kiss of uh, political death? Yes. Well, <laughs> you, were, you were getting I, a, the Sicilian kiss of death from the, the great Republican beast. And I got calls, like, NPR wanted to talk to me and all this stuff. And I just oh, didn't. Uh, I mean, what do I... Again, they're but they're courting controversy too because yeah. like the way I can completely understand the way you're characterizing it, you're just sort of like, oh, there's this guy. And what? I really is do he think doing? he's like um, nice, pleasant enough, and um, yeah, was because, saying hi and was yeah. a fan of the show. Right. And there's Chloe O'Brien. That, yeah. You know, I don't think it was, right. meant anything more than that. But at the same time, he probably knew. Maybe he's just so used to having that much attention mm-hmm. that it doesn't mean anything to him that photographers are there. But it's like, you know, we're going to get about to get our picture taken. Mm-hmm. I somehow didn't. Maybe I should have known mm-hmm. at that point. So he took advantage. Perhaps. But for <laughs> what? I mean, I, you can't even it's categorize right. it as that. For what? What is there to take advantage of? Well, he's like a subterranean. Publicity? Well, yeah, in a way. You, you got, you know, radio personalities are sort of subterranean personalities. But it is they a, don't... a pretty amazing piece of of publicity no i know but what i'm saying about it it's still interesting well because he is the you know the mouthpiece of uh the right and 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 he's huge i mean he's a a very powerful force in uh, political culture right right but the truth of the matter is he's a cave dweller he's a fucking radio personality he's a guy that you know is not hollywood he probably shits on hollywood all he can you know in his in his diatribe there's this opportunity to have this uh, yeah, look at me. I'm mixing with the pretty people. I, you know, and I'm sure he. he knew. Are you saying I'm pretty? Just yeah, you kidding. are pretty. Sure, you are. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I like. It's weird because you know a lot of people would come to an interview with you with all this stuff, but I, my memory of you and my knowledge of you it still goes back to it. You know, to when we were kids in a weird way. You know, like I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm not. You, you know what I mean? I'm not sort of like. There's no filters here. You're just Mary Lynn from when we did comedy. So I'm just asking you questions yeah, I like know. I don't know, like because I don't know a lot of things. I feel the same way. I saw Zach Galifianakis the other night. When we were at UCB, did you do comedy? No, I did not. I haven't done comedy in a while. It made me want to get back up there, That's though. That's what you I, were saying, yeah. I did that um, um, uh, sort of a... Uh, 
loose pilot idea with Bob, and uh, I haven't hadn't seen him or, or heard his. I left before he got there. How was that for you? Did he talk to you like he was your dad, Mary Lynn? How were you? <laughs> he he, he <laughs> actually stopped doing on? that, but oh, he did. I, I remember one time I had him over my house in Venice, and Bob I had bought, a, bought yeah. a small house. Mm-hmm. We were uh, meeting about an independent movie or something, and and he said, Mary Lynn, what? How did you? And I said, Bob, I, I've been working for like, you know, like eight years and I made a little bit of money and I grew up a little bit. But I can remember him making jokes like about my hair and like, yeah. where are the rats going to live when I was getting my hair and makeup done? For, yeah. I'll never forget that. He's like, Mary, yeah. where the rats have nowhere to go now that you got your hair done. He's got such a weird, almost paternal Midwestern thing going I sometimes. I love it. But he did do a little bit of like, are you okay? Is that okay? Which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess that's where we're at that age where we ask that. <laughs> you know, we, we hear. Is everything okay? Yeah. We hear random things. You know, <laughs> you know, I know you had a baby. Is that working out okay? I mean. Where have you been? We live in the same town. It's weird. That's I think that's where the nostalgia comes in, where you know there was a time we were all up each other's asses a lot. Oh my gosh, I saw and, everybody and all the time, every mm-hmm. night, breakfast, yeah. lunch, dinner, yeah. shows. Yeah, and then all of a sudden everybody grows up, and you're like, you just read the trades or hear a weird news item, and you're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, and I man. saw Zach, and I had to make an effort to go, Zach, congratulations, because I knew I would just treat him like, like he, I just saw him yesterday, right? And I, and I was like so amazing like you know and he was like oh like he almost couldn't even hear it and yeah. i was like i i haven't really seen you since you've been like on another planet yeah of uh, this of great success. success yeah he's pretty humble though you know usually he's, he seems pretty consistent and yeah he seems, he's very consistent he seems so, exactly the yeah same. and oh, you know and uh, maybe but, a little bit calmer calmer and also you know highly aware of yes. his status but not in an arrogant way yes you know, like he'll, he, it's not beyond him to, if you approach him with a certain amount of uh, ribbing to uh, to tell you that he, he will tell you he's a millionaire and it's fine. Did you say that to him? No. <laughs> he said it on stage once. He said, I don't care. I'm a millionaire. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's it's the, Very similar to Jessica Simpson. I'd just like to draw the correlation between Zach and Jessica <laughs> Simpson, <laughs> who was like, I have a shoe line. <laughs> You can yeah. say whatever you want about me. <laughs> I'm selling shoes, and it's awesome. So, what's happening now other than the web series? Seriously, um, twenty four movie maybe. Twenty four movie maybe, web series. I'm gonna start vlogging as soon as I get my T-shirt that says professional vlogger. Vlogger. I've the, only the, done one so far. Are people still using that word? I haven't heard that in a while. Vlog. I hate it, but I'm gonna just embrace it. Isn't it just called like um, vids, videos? (laughs) That's so much better. Yeah, vlog. I'm going to get a shirt that says professional vlogger in cursive Mm -hmm. writing. And you're just going to, what, sit and go, today, I... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Where are you going to do this? Got a plan? Um, I did one in in my office. I tried another one in the grocery store. But um, what ends up happening is you try to be off the cuff and then you watch it and go, that's not good. Yeah. You want to like redo it. Do so I'm put, trying to find that line between h- how I would sound and what I would say. Why don't you, like I, I introduced you to Chris Hardwick, who you know, as the uh, one of the great um, entrepreneurs. Why don't I call him? Maybe I will. One of the great- uh, What's wait, he going to say? He's going to say, yeah, we're the, we're starting a, a Nerdist, uh, that's a new part of the Nerdist empire, uh, the video part. And I should be a part of that wave. That's right. All right. No, you got money. You got friends. You might as well just do have somebody do all that shit for you. There's no reason you got to be walking around with a flip cam on yourself at the supermarket. 
So what? Yeah, I have somebody meet me there mm-hmm. and film it. Yeah. All right. Because then if you pick the right person, maybe you'll have a little bit of a relationship with them, you know, like that might draw some yeah, things yeah, out yeah, of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, you're smart. Did you put those up on YouTube? I only put one up so far. How'd it do? Good. Yeah? Yeah. People were into it? Super into it. Really? Yeah. Chloe fans? Probably. What'd you talk about? I just, um, it was only like 30 seconds long and okay, I just said watch right, Dickie, but it was kind of funny. Where's, where can you see Dickie? At my damn channel. Have you heard of it? It's yeah. It's all original content. We're doing a thing with them. Okay. You are. Mm-hmm. That's right. I heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're super cool. Yeah. That dude's all right. Yeah. He's a good guy. Big yeah. fan of the podcast. All right. So how many episodes of the uh, web series have you done? A six. Did you tweet that shit? Yeah. I, I'll tweet that shit. <laughs> I can tweet that shit. Where's your kid right now in the car? He was at play school. He's doing your gardening. He's oh, actually replanting yeah. that succulent for you. I appreciate that. That's a pretty smart kid. Yeah, he goes got... to Montessori. He knows how to do stuff. <laughs> Does he? Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he started counting in Spanish. I was looking at a globe and he's like, Asia and Africa. And I was like, holy crap. And then he goes, where's July? <laughs> Kind of like that. Your confused. baby can read thing where you're like, oh my god, he's so a he genius. Just, he's memorizing it. He's like, well, where's July? <laughs> that would be on oh. this. It's a calendar. <laughs> it's all going in. Well, I think we've had a lovely conversation. Do you feel satisfied with it? I feel pretty good. I mean, what are some of the let's let's go over it and uh, and maybe make a I list. I feel like it was really like a nice chat, mm-hmm. and I think I was nervous that you would like, oh, Mark's gonna intimidate me or mm. I'll feel stupid. But I guess it's your show. You have to like be nice to people. Have I done that on shows you've listened to? I've never made anyone feel stupid. I mean, I think sometimes when I don't love a person, but I respect them, that sometimes I can be a bit prickly. But I don't ever go out of my way to make people feel stupid because I think you're very smart. I don't think I could make you feel stupid. Okay, so that's one note. Uh, I did not make you feel stupid. What else didn't? I what? think I make me feel stupid. Oh. well what are we going to do about that Mary Lynn I think you should be very happy with yourself no I I am really happy I don't even know why I'm saying that it's stupid for me to say that I'm super happy see there you just did it you just said it's stupid of me to say that you make yourself feel stupid because I think it comes from that thing I was talking about of not uh, saying what I think Mm -hmm. and feel Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm just starting to do that and that's like I'm way too old to be just starting to do that but you know in this conversation or in your life in like my comedy trajectory mm-hmm. so that when i talk to you i go back to like what that being right that style do of- you so you don't know whether or not you'll get on a comedy stage and go back into your old kind of distracted nervous character well that's always there mm-hmm. but my new but it's not here now that's on stage correct mm-hmm. my new uh thing that i want to do is represent myself more mm-hmm and how, how what, I admire that. What's about the plan you. on that? What's the plan? Yeah, how are you going to approach that? Um, Just by talking about your yeah. life a little more? Yeah. That's great. Finding the point of view, you know? Yeah, yeah. Have you thought about bringing your child on stage with you, <laughs> doing a team thing before he learns <laughs> how to be a person? <laughs> and just sit there and go, say the July thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be a very unique approach to doing stuff about children. Is That's actually- the worst idea ever that I've ever heard in my life. Okay. When are you going to do it? Well, I got a UCB date. I was inspired the other night, and then I immediately was like, oh, man. Do to do really an hour? Do that? No, no, no. To, you know, oh, did start, you do that? Start, start working bang, bang? it out. Okay. And, and I want to uh, 
do the vlogging to try to just get a running train of thought going. Mm-hmm. See what happens. Have you done stand up much since you were on twenty four? Are you talking years that you haven't done it? Really? No, no, no. I I did it consistently through twenty four, and then I kind of dropped off, and then I did a one woman show, which was like a year and a half working and putting it up, and that was. I kind of awesome. remember that. What was that about? It was about not liking the baby. Oh right, right. And not being like a good wife or mother, and then of course in the end everything is gonna be okay. Yeah. Uh, and then. I kind of stopped doing that it after that. Did you find that a lot of fans from 24 were like, you know, there's a Chloe, there's a... Yeah. But they yeah. listened and they There were certain this. nights, like I remember doing a show in Chicago. I was like, what is... Something's off. Because mm-hmm. I know this is funny and mm-hmm. interesting. And then there was a group of people that created enough of a vortex. I shouldn't say that because fans are cool. No, I know, but they But they're standing outside right. and they're just like, can you sign this? Like they they were just not interested in... In what you were saying, At they all. just wanted to see you, yeah. the character they like, love. Oh, that's what that vibe was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing I could have said. They just and they probably weren't that mad either, right? They just wanted to see you. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, I had a good talk here, and I just want to make sure before I turn them off that you're 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 satisfied. I feel pretty good. Thank you, Maryland. Thank you. That's it. That's our show. Mary Lynn, it was great talking to her. Uh, I think she's a genius. Uh, Very inspired comedic talent that woman is. What else have I got for you? We already covered it. Neptune Theater this this Saturday. No, this Friday, November 25th. Bring cash if you want stuff because my iPhone is not here yet. Uh, Also, the Arlington Draft House, December 2nd and 3rd in Arlington, Virginia, outside of D.C. Okay, I'll talk to you on Thanksgiving. I will talk to you Thanksgiving morning if I don't have a lovely holiday.